0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. We long to belong. We long to belong. We live in an era like every other era. If you long to belong, the question will be asked then as now, what do you have? What do you bring that you may belong? What belongs to you? (coughs) What possessions do you have? What privileges? What prestige? What power? Possessions, prestige, power. Around these the world turns. What of these are yours already? What more of these good things and none of them, power, prestige, or possessions are bad in themselves? How much more of these good things are you entitled to? The world asks these questions with great interest. Because that is what sets your worth in today's world. That is what says to this world as it would to any world, any time and place. This is who I am. I am what belongs to me. And my success in fulfilling my longing to belong will have much to do with my belongings. I am what I own, what is mine, what belongs to me, and I am longing for more, more of the same, and my life is run ragged by the need to be always out and about, striving to secure more ever more of life's goodies, why not for their own inherent worth, but because what belongs to me will help thee belong. And that is what all our hearts desire. In the two readings, the two major readings, the Old Testament and the Gospel, which were brought together for this morning, we see two people. One who has everything that one would want, apparently. One who has next to nothing. They are both called to the same calling. But only one knows it. One, King David, wants it and doesn't get it. The other, Mary, doesn't even know that she wants it. Let's say that it is the last thing that she might be expecting. But to her it is given anyway. For what are they longing? A certain task, a certain job, a certain divine assignment, a commission. To make for the Lord a place in which he will dwell. To make a space in which God can be captured on earth For a while, David wants to make this space a place in timber, gold, and stone, a proper house for the Lord to dwell in. Mary will find that it is God who has already made the place to abide within her body, within herself. What an unlikely pair, these two. David, the king, the Lord's anointed, Mary, the bond slave, literally the doulos of the Lord. Mary, a woman who belongs to a man but has not known a man, conceived by an act of the will of God and takes a husband to spare her inconvenience. David, a man who can have whom he wishes, a man who in an act of blatant contravention of the will of God takes someone who belongs to someone else who conceives and whose husband he kills to spare himself inconvenience. Two approaches, if you like. One, a man's in essence. Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Start with what your heart desires. Ask the Lord to bless it. I already know in my heart what I want from God. Let's ask God what, to tell me what he wills to do and what I want already. The other approach is Mary's. Greetings, O oh favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what this might be. What God wants is not in Mary's heart, I would say, or not close to the surface because the heart is very deep. The surface may be disturbed easily, but half the time I think that's our central nervous system. The heart itself is deep and dark and resonant. What God wants is not at the surface of Mary's heart. And the light of his enlightenment, his word, has not caught it yet, glimmering in the depths. She probably wants a child, or at least she is probably not opposed to conceiving a child. But it's not this that she imagined. She was greatly troubled and tried to discern. Mary tries to listen, tries to hear, to understand what God wants. David typically tries to talk to get God to understand what David wants. And there's a difference. And their prayer requests are handled appropriately. One, the downcast one, is lifted up. The other, the exalted one, is gently cast down. Well, not so gently. David still has a longer way to go than he has years to allow him. And as he discerns over his lifetime the cracks that will cause his kingdom to break, already working their way through the foundation, and watches his own son Absalom openly consorting with his consorts, leading an uprising against him. He watches the prophet Nathan's later warnings come true. As the Lord gently rebukes him, I took you from the pasture from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. David doesn't listen. You want to make me a house, I will make you a house. Listen. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. How? It is Mary who gets the answer. And behold, you will conceive and bear a son, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. David's downfall and its disastrous consequences, the collapse of the kingdom after about one and a half generations on either side, presents no impediment for God to work through Mary to achieve his kingdom's restoration. As the Heidelberg Disputation says, the love of God does not find, but creates that which is pleasing to it. The love of God is not looking to see itself mirrored back, looking to the place where that love is missing. The love of man, however, comes into being through that which is already there, already pleasing to it. It pleases David, it delights him, to dream of a house worthy of his name, of God's name, of course. But God is not looking for marble halls, nor for the hope and pride of Israel, as he did not when he sought David. The love of God does not find, but creates that which is pleasing to it. God raised up the shepherd boy, the runt of the litter. They weren't even going to bring him forward, remember. He will now raise up the village girl, whose particular merit is of no consequence whatsoever. This is important. Mary's particular merit is of no consequence to us. The love of God does not find, but creates that which is pleasing to it. David commands respect. He is a man of action, of war, a poet. He wrought a kingdom out of a tangled mess. His is the dynasty, the house, and the kingdom made sure, surely established forever. Mary, too, takes action, but by acquiescence, by an act of total surrender, and by waiting, and waiting on her Lord by remaining hungry when she would prefer satisfaction. Remember that what the Holy Spirit, through the angel Gabriel, tells her is a very costly choice that she must make. She knows nothing of Joseph's provision to stay with her. All she knows is that she will be an unwed mother in a society which sees such a thing very dimly indeed. And it's that to which she agrees, let's remind ourselves, it is that utter loss To which Mary assents when she says, be it to me. By remaining hungry when she would prefer all her dreams to come true. And she throws them all away in that moment. By agreeing to wait and to wait. By agreeing in essence that anything to which she might have even developed an expectation or a sense of entitlement or even simply a hope. All of this is swept away. All these good things she thought might be coming to her are gone. And God has taken them away. They're gods, aren't they? This point is important. The things that both of them wanted, these two, David and Mary, were not bad things. Motherhood, rulership. The things that they longed for were not in themselves bad things. They were good things. And God does not despise good things, especially the good things he's made. You should read some of this stuff that was produced in the Middle of Ages. It is literally saying any love you have for this world is in direct competition with love for good. Read Thomas A. Kempis just once and then put it away forever. It's all about a battle between this world and God. And any time you love any of the good things of this world, you're arousing God's anger. A very dark period for spirituality. God does not despise good things, especially the good things he has made. The good things he has made. So often this world of faith we live in is like a castle in the clouds. We are always to be looking high, skyward for something to pull our way or grab down to us. Maybe a ladder to pull us up, out of here, up to God. In the meantime, unbeknownst to everyone, God is coming down to the world. God is coming to earth to dwell with human beings, to move in into the neighborhood and to live and die in a human body, with a human soul. In the meantime... We feel such mixed pleasures in the things with which we are occupied on earth. Why? The earth has taken them all back. Even things that are part of our work, (coughs) constructive things that we are building, homes, workplaces, goods of all kinds, we run around furtively, anxiously with these things all week. Then we check into church on Sunday to do our bit for the kingdom. Then we go back out there. And on Monday, we're looking for something to get us through. We imagine that God despises our engagement with this world's goods. That they, even though he made them, and he are now to be set in some sort of competition, it is not so simple. But to the good things of this world, the challenge is simply one of faith. Can we give them back as graciously as God gave them to us? Can we surrender them? Do we trust God, the giver of these gifts, enough to give the gifts back to him when he takes them from us? Christ indwells, the one who accepts him in faith. This is true for all of us. Quite literally, this is true in the case of Mary. And what does Mary say in her thanks? Does she say, see what great things God has done for me? No, see all the great things I am doing for God. It's her humility. She expects great things, but not for herself. She expects herself to do great things for God, but only with God. She longs not for belongings of her own, but to belong to God, to be part of his longings for his world. She longs not to be the center of her own world. She longs to join hands even maybe with that troubled king. That troubled king who even then had that intuition that his Lord was to come into the world after him. The Lord who brought this world into being before him. Maybe even joining hands with that troubled king, David. And stand in the circle looking to the center it is a giant leap for a village girl to make in a few moments, and she makes it. And King David loses it in the end. All that he has done slips from his grasp. No, not all. This little girl takes up what the king has dropped, the future kingdom, the once and future king, Mary. She knows that to belong, you must step out of the center of your own life. Let go of the worries that whistle into your ears. Constantly with a lie. That says you are alone. If you want God to lovely love you. You will have to prove it again. And again and again. That's the lie. And that's not good news. It is the world's constant refrain. So willingly taken up. By the church. If you want God to love you. You are going to have to make him love you. It's a lie. You and I have nothing to prove, nothing to make up for, nothing to excuse. It has all been washed out in the blood of the cross. We have been permitted to step off center stage in our own lives. The performance there is over the curtain came down. The script of which you and I are the star has been torn up and thrown away. Praise God for that. God is back on now and we join hands encircling him, his wonder and his love. We join hands with the whole of creation who mirror that love back to him and to one another, thanks to the work of Christ. Mary, this little girl, has done what no one else could have done and what no one else would have done for all we know. She has brought us to this place by bringing Jesus into the world, back into the world that he made. He comes at this moment silently. He will come again to center stage. Let's not forget that this is the world that he made and set his throne at the center We often treat him as the stranger here, and ourselves as well. Nothing could be more untrue. This is his world, and to his own he now returns. And Mary has pulled back the curtain so that he may step forward to the Father's applause. Thank you, Mary. Blessed are you indeed among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Jesus. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Amen.